and welcome to the Knock On, Scoreline.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Stephen Byrne and over the next while we're going to talk to former Leinster captain Chris Pym. On this show we talk about CJ Standers' surprising retirement announcement. We talk about the Ireland team named for the final Six Nations game against England and the English themselves. We also talk about Kilkenny man Tim Corkery getting his first Leinster cap and his second possibly. And we chat about Leinster signing Leo Cullen, Stuart Lancaster and the management team up to new contracts. Good, yeah. Thanks, Stephen. All good. Um, survived, Chris, survived the yeah. chaos of uh, Paddy's day. And our, our, our two Mondays in the week as well. Exactly. Yeah. everyone. Chris, yeah. we're landed with a bit of a shocker during the week. No one's seen it coming. Not even Johnny Sexton or uh, Peter O'Mahony. CJ Stander is hanging up the boots. He's only 30. Yeah, that was certainly caught everybody on the hop there, and uh, it was certainly a lot of surprise out and around. So, um, but yeah, look, he says he's doing it for the right reasons, going home to look after his family, he wants to go home, and obviously wants to be there, look after his family. And I don't know whether there was a, a negotiation with the RFU that didn't go as he would have liked to have gone, or quite why. Whether that was anything to do, that's really hard to know at the stage. But um, yeah, look, I mean, he's uh, obviously been an import and is going home. And maybe there's a little bit of bitterness that a guy who's so invested into or said he was so invested into the Irish system that he just pull up sticks now and run home with his 50 caps in his hip pocket. But, you know, so... Some guys might be upset by that, but I mean, I don't know. I think it's the three-year rule is there. He went through the process. He didn't do anything wrong. He was just a rugby player who turned up. He said, look, I'm available if you want me. So I certainly don't have any issue with any rugby player playing the rules, if that's how you'd call it. So I just say, you know, I mean, fair, fair luck to him. I mean, actually, when I was... When I was playing as well, it was just started. There was a couple of guys brought in, um, South African guy and a couple of English guys, and it was <laughs> we're all back rowers. And I was like, okay, this isn't really uh, quite what I had in mind, and maybe this isn't fair. But um, look, that was the rules at the time. That's the rules that they are now. Well, obviously now it's a five-year thing, and I think that's probably the right thing to do. But um, I think the, the, the whole psychology of doing it in the first place was to try and help some of the weaker nations. And, um, you know, I think every country is, to be honest, has used it to its advantage, particularly the UK and ourselves and the Scots. So, you know, I don't think we can have any quibbles about um, the system itself and why it was there. But, yeah, look, uh, good luck to him. He's been a good servant. He's stood up there. He's sung his national anthem and, uh, yeah, fair play. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing as well, Chris, if you take COVID out of it, it mightn't have been a thing. And there is talk about the contract negotiations, yeah. like you said, but you take COVID out of it and his family's still here. And that element of it isn't here because we know his wife and his children went back to South Africa during lockdown one last year and they went back again and are there at the moment. And obviously that for any man yeah. um, or any family person, that's extremely difficult. Take that out. Yeah. He'd probably be still here. So it was his hand was probably forced. Yeah, maybe, may well be, may well be. And if it was, look, that's a symptom of 
of the times we live in as well. So, but um, yeah, look, I mean, just best of luck to them. And uh, the good news is that we have millions of back rowers to slot in there in this spot. So I think it'd be a great opportunity for for uh, a couple of the guys who are absolutely kicking the door down to come through there. Yeah, so you have Caelan Doris there now who's going to be rubbing his hands together. Uh, Jack Conan, who's starting against England tomorrow, he's going to be rubbing his hands together as well. You know, there's there's an opening there. It's up for grabs, like you said. Um, and so there's yeah, always... For sure, you've got like some Max Deegan and stuff who still broke up. You have Dan Levy. Yeah. You know, you have those guys to come back into the picture, so... Scott we're not Penny. sort of, uh, we're not Scott Penny yet. <laughs> the, the indomitable Scott Penny. But uh, to be fair, I think he's uh, long term, he's a, he's a seven. But um, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's definitely in the picture too. Big loss for Munster, I suppose, in a sense, with CJ, um, just in terms of that back row uh, consistency and just as a leader, I suppose, in the back row. It's, it's unexpected, so it throws a major spanner in the works for them. Yeah, it probably does, to be fair. Um, they wouldn't have had that as part of their plan, obviously. So, But, yeah, look, they've got Coombs coming through there as well, Jack Dunn, who they're not really sure of options as well. And as you just say, Peter O'Mahony is going to be there for another bit as well. So, um, you know, they, 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 they have options coming through, that's for sure. Chris, um, much changes to the Irish team. Uh, injury enforced some of them um, and the other positional switches and everything um, for the England match tomorrow. So um, I suppose the most notable ones, um, we'll start at the front. Dave Kilcoyne has taken Keen Healy's place um, in the front row. Um, is that form or is it a tactical for England? I'm not quite sure. I really am not quite sure. Uh, It is a strange one, yeah. And I'm not 100% sure I can see the logic in it. I mean, you know, he might be a slightly more dynamic ball carrier, but, you know, hard to see. I'm I'm not sure he did a whole lot wrong, but I'm not sure he's done a whole lot to certainly consider getting picked ahead of um, someone like Ian Healy's calibre. So... Yeah, look, it may well be tactical that they'd rather go back in, back into the last half hour of the game with uh, Healy to come off the bench as opposed to the other way around. Um, I'd be a little bit concerned about the scrum in general tomorrow. Now, I know the scrum has been good, but you're taking a big lump out of that scrum by taking um, James Ryan out of the scrum and you're slotting him in with what is essentially a back rower. Um and obviously, we're going to lose a bit of presence at the line out as well. So it's um, not good. It's difficult to see, but yeah, um, it is. It's yeah, a slightly odd one. I would have think would have thought they stuck with Healy. Certainly, to be they want to be still in the game with an hour to go. Yeah, and you look at that team, and you look at. I mean, I love. I would love England to have been beaten last week because I just feel they would have been mentally more fragile coming into this game. But they'll come into this week's game having played some absolutely scintillating rugby and they may or may have lost the game, but they won the game. And it could be a ferociously long afternoon if they hit their straps early. Um, And it's hard to know, you know, if we could do anything better. 
Exactly, and the set piece is probably the only thing going half decent for us at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Scrum has been good, and line-out obviously has been excellent. It'll be interesting to see if we lose that edge um, with Ryan out of the line-out. So, but yeah, he'll be he'll be a big loss. But yeah, I'd like to think that Paulie's done his homework and he has a he has a plan or a strategy. But yeah, look, that's we can kind of come on to that later. But yeah, it uh, was slightly surprised to see Kilcoyne pick. That's for sure. Yep, and then obviously you have Murray Murray at nine, which I think I would have done. I think a couple of bad calls late in the game there last week. I just um kind of would like to have seen Murray on the pitch for the last 20 minutes, half an hour now. I know Farrell said there was issues around other injuries that they were carrying. They couldn't afford to make the change at nine, but um yeah, look, I think I think Murray probably is the right call for this week. Yeah, just assurance and uh, yeah. experience. Yeah, against a team like England, having played them so many times, it'd be it'd be a bit much for Gibson Park, especially like you said, if he's coming in with a bit of a confidence, a dent in his confidence after last week. Um, yeah, it, it just going back to the back row, Josh Vanderfleer moves into seven. So Will Connors obviously pulled up um, with a bit of an injury on. Would have been Wednesday when they were training. Yeah. Jack Conan comes straight into number eight. Um, so big, uh, um, a big, um, what would you call it? Um, opportunity it for changes. Yeah, yeah. The changes yeah. the dynamic in the back row a lot as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think we're definitely losing something by um, with. Losing Will Connors, you know, he's been done defensively so good. He's a good ball carrier. Um, and he just I think he gives us a little bit more than Josh does. But Josh is so honest and so diligent and his work rate is massive. But I just don't think, I think I said this before, he just doesn't, he just doesn't carry a big enough bang, I think, at an international level. And, um, you know, I think we might just lose out there. I mean, obviously, Curry is just on fire at the moment, probably one of the best forwards in the Six Nations at the moment. So, you know, he'll have his hands full there. But I do think good opportunity for Jack Conan. He's a good ball player. And, um, you know, he'll have come on a bit in the last couple of weeks. So I'd be I'd be expecting a big game from him today, uh, today tomorrow. Yep. Um, Jacob Stockdale um, comes back from injury straight into number 11 at the expense of course of James Lowe um, plenty of discussion around that during the week and, and his own manager hung him out to dry in an interview last week after the Scotland match as well um, so he's sort of seen that one coming as well um, just, it's tough on James Lowe but such is life yeah. such is life yeah look I mean I actually, I was in his corner last week. I said he'd have a big game, um, but yeah, he had a shocker, and I think he kind of lost his mojo then halfway through the second half. He didn't know what was going on. So he uh, look, he's he's a good bit of stuff. He'll go back to Leinster, get a couple of games under his belt, get his mojo back, um, you know. So we'll he'll be back, I'm sure. So I wouldn't be overly worried about it. But yeah, look, I think we're in. We're in a good position that we've stopped able to step up. Um, he's a good bit of stuff. 11 is probably his best spot anyway. You know, there was the 15 experiment happened, but I think uh, Hugo Keenan 
has has pinned that down as his own spot. So I would think Dockdale will come in with a bit less to worry about, just carry ball, take people on. I think he probably is the biggest threat, but he's up against Watson, who is is Watson on that wing? Yeah, Johnny May plays at doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so I'd be a little concerned about Watson as well. He's very much a centre who plays on the wing. And, you know, I would imagine... Uh, Cat and stuff will do a bit of work on maybe going down that channel, get Stockdale running at um, Watson, who I'm not overly convinced his his defence is, is as good as it might be, particularly when he's on the wing as opposed to in the centre. So um, I would certainly see that as a one-on-one that we, we would look to try and win. Absolutely. Um, I think Jacob Stockdale will have... Learned, I think, from the experience of James Lowe and how important defences are. Because uh, Jacob himself had questionable defence both on the wing yeah. and at fullback as well. So I, I think I think he understands what he needs to do now if he wants to retain that yeah. jersey going, um, going forward, as they say. Um, but yeah, yeah, like you said, Chris, he's, he's lethal going forward with the ball. Yeah, very great ball carrier, super bit of stuff. And um, yeah, look, high ball, whatever it is. I'd expect him to expect him to have a big game, and uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, not there's no surprises on the bench. Peter O'Mahony's back from his suspension, so he slots in there. That's not really a surprise. Ryan Baird, in fairness, um, has his place on the bench for this match as well, which is a. Uh, Good to see. He did nothing wrong last week, um, especially at the end with that block um, and a bit of work that he did on the time he was on. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he won the game for us, or single-handedly, or double-handedly, or whatever it was. We got to the ball, but uh, yeah, so fantastic. Um, I guess they were just afraid to throw him in against Atoji and be afraid that he, you know, get bet up uh, because. Although that can be the only reason, because I mean, anything he's done up to this, I would absolutely have loved to have left um, um, Tigburn at six. And, yes. But they were obviously worried about his physicality up against an English second row. So they kind of feel, look, 20 minutes is half an hour would be enough. But um, yeah, look, so I mean, that's the question everybody's asking as a, as a 21-year-old or 22-year-old, you know, does he have the physical presence to take a take a tough afternoon against a pack like that? And does he have enough presence? So they obviously they're a lot closer to we are, but they obviously feel that he doesn't. So um get an hour into the game and throw him in for 20 minutes where he your fresh legs and stuff maybe can have a bigger impact. So but yeah, I you know, you can hear the logic. I can see the logic in not playing them, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, how do you see the match going in general? Um, I know Eddie Jones was... Eddie Jones, I think, took a jibe at us during the week about our kicking game. But when the stats... Were actually, yeah, but when the stats were looked at, England have kicked more than we have. So a bit of a signal. Really, yeah, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> I think something to do with tw- 30 to 23 uh, box kicks or something the last couple of games. Anyway, the figures were higher for England. In general, how do you see that the game playing out? Because Ireland's balance has, has shifted now with the players and the changes they've had to make. Yeah. They've had to make... Like you were saying, Elliot Daly goes to outside centre it's the first time he's yeah. been in that position in five or six years I think because um, Slade yeah, is out but he, was, he was the centre I think once and, upon a time yeah yeah and I'd actually be a big fan of his I think he's a good bit of stuff mm-hmm. and 
he's a real sensible head. I actually would rather have had your man, um, Malin's at fullback as opposed to Elliot Daly, but Daly's in the side now anyway because of Henry Slade's injury. Yeah. So um, I think it only makes England stronger, to be honest. So I'd be worried. I'd be worried. I think what well, a year and a half ago, whenever it was last year, in the build up to the World Cup when they came over here, um, was yeah, it was was it a friendly? I can't remember. But they absolutely kicked yeah. the living crap out of us in yeah. in Lansdowne Road, and I'd be terrified. The same thing might happen. Um, it's hard to see why it wouldn't. I mean, I would have felt their confidence was if they'd come off a, a defeat last week, I would have felt, you know, there was grounds for optimism. But having won that game, oh, having, having played the style of rugby they played, I mean, it's the best game of rugby I've watched in, certainly a Six Nations game of rugby I've watched in three or four years, I could imagine. It was incredible. Um, they were just sensational. Both teams were sensational. Neither team deserved to lose. But um, oh, I really hope I'm wrong. But we, I mean, we could get pumped. I just, um, I really, I suppose it'll depend the first 20 minutes, half an hour, if we can stay physically in the game. Um, yeah, look, we may, we might just sneak it. But what we do, we'll end up kicking the ball and hoping to win turnovers. Because we're not getting around a back line, we're not getting through a back line, um, any back line, never mind an English one. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to know what way will we approach the game by box kicking and hoping to win line out and steal their ball. But even when we steal our ball, I mean, what we eight turnovers in the line out? Yep. You know, that's when a team's defense is completely disorganized because you've just stolen what was attacking ball for them and we weren't able to turn any of it into you know attacking platforms Um, and we started this game last week the Scottish game with the view of we're going after this and they some unbelievable sensational rugby in that first 10-15 minutes and went in front and we kind of let them back into the game which was always going to happen up to a point but if we could play like that every week an offloading game and give us some confidence and a bit of belief that we can back ourselves as rugby players. Um, you know, I think that's as good an approach to take as to try and take them on physically, boy, because they're just bigger, stronger, fitter, faster. And I, it's hard to see how we can win a game playing that way. So I just hope we go out and give it a cut and, yeah, but like exactly. the old-fashioned Irish, hope we we uh, get a bit of luck and um, on our day maybe they have a bad day, we have a good day. But yeah, it's could be a tough afternoon. The CJ Stander leaving factor or something, you know, galvanise yeah. the lads. Um, we spoke about it, Chris, as well, um, and something struck me last week um, watching the Scotland game. Um, it was Alan Quinlan that said it on commentary. Um, the amount of kicking that Gary Ringrose tried to do. Um, mm-hmm. Which is just alien to Leinster supporters. Um, yeah. It's just you don't you don't do that with Leinster. You catch a ball in your own twenty-two, you just run. Um, yeah. But he just kept thinking about kicking the ball, um, and made obviously a lot of them ended up going nowhere. Really, uh, James yeah. Lowe was putting big boots down the field as well. Again, sort of an alien concept. 
when you see him in a Leinster jersey, um, it's this. Yes, there's obviously a kicking tactic there. Um, but like you said, why aren't these fellas, these world class players, and the Gary Ring Roses and everything, why aren't they being, why aren't allowed to run the ball from their own twenty-two? What's the fear factor? It's, yeah, look, it's a it is, and that is, it's fear factor, fear factor, and it's. Um, I was actually listening to a podcast this morning with um, I can't remember what it was, but Jermaine, um Grayson was on it, and he was saying he was a really good friend of Mike Katz. And um, he was just saying that he felt he had a huge amount to offer, um, but that his voice has just not been heard. Or obviously that Andy Farrell is he's the kingpin and he seems to be running the whole show and that Katz really only pieces the furniture. But it's, you know, that he feels that his, his abilities and what he can bring to the table just aren't being heard because or aren't being carried out because certainly haven't seen any of it yet and it'd be a funny time to just start producing it against a resurgent English team. Yeah, and he'll be probably be the scapegoat when stuff does go wrong then at the at the yeah. farm which is exactly a possibility yeah. which isn't good either. Yeah, no, I mean they get it beaten tomorrow and it'd be hard to see how well how there couldn't be some changes within the team. It won't be Farrell, but um, you'd imagine that Cat would be the easiest victim in that, in that circumstance. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, so fingers crossed for the Six Nations anyway, for Ireland yeah. tomorrow. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I said I said Scotland by by six last or Ireland by six last week. I wasn't far off by four. Oh. I thought I was going to be really wrong when we were twenty points up. <laughs> but yeah, Jesus, we made we huffed and puffed a bit there at the end. But anyway, look, thanks be to God, Johnny saved our, our bacon, but we'll have taken that one. So yeah, I I desperately want to say an Irish win, but I just I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. A timely reminder as well of the importance of Johnny Sexton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Haven't given it, haven't everyone trying to put him out to pasture. But uh, yeah, look, fantastic. I just, yeah, he's the man. Yeah. yeah great game. Uh, another fellow who's in action tonight. Great to see him named on the team again. Uh, the Bennett Bridges, Tim Corkery, he got his debut for Leinster last week on Friday against Seabra. Um, got a couple of minutes on the pitch, um, which is great. And he's on the bench now for the final regular league game against Ospreys in the RDS on Friday night, which is tonight. Um, yeah, so um, great to see as well. Obviously, there's a huge amount of internationals missing in that as well. But nonetheless, it's another chance to get another cap and this time at home in the RDS. Yeah, yeah, and another step on the ladder and is what progression that will continue to ascend. So, look, a wonderful opportunity for him and, uh, yeah, wish him all the best of luck. So, yeah, bring it on. Absolutely. Devin Toner, 260 caps. He matches Gordon Darcy as well. Yeah, Yeah. nice nice little one to have. Um, Yeah, I was just talking about possible... um, what do you call it, retirements and everything. And I, I, I had it in the back of my head that we mightn't see Devin Toner next season. Um, just, on the, you know, because he's sort of out of international favour now as well. He's playing well with Leinster and everything. Um, but yeah, um, there's a lot of contract negotiations and contracts to be finished up as well. Um, 
not that we want to get rid of him or anything, Chris, but can you see any of the older, I suppose, Leinster players moving on or anything? There was a question mark over Scott Fardy as well. Yeah, no, definitely. So I would have thought that, uh, well, I, I read a piece the other day that Dev said he wanted to stay in Leicester for another year, but that if the um, stars don't align, he would uh, look at playing a year away. So he may go to France, he may go to um, may go to the UK. So, and I oh, absolutely still has something to offer. So um, I would imagine that that's probably the more likely of the scenarios. But um, so yeah, I'd say he'll he probably um, I can't see Leinster giving him another gig, given that you've got Ryan and um, Baird Baird coming through there and. So I don't know about Fardy either. His contract's up this year as well, I think. So it is, and yeah, it was question marks as well. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard so, one to know. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he'd definitely be up for staying for another year. So, and I mean, he's very much a leader, and uh, you know, they obviously like him. He plays a lot of game time, and he's still obviously well able. So I think of the two, the probably more likely one would be to keep Fardy for another year. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, look, they probably have a hole or two to plug, given that um, James Ryan and Ryan Bear both be away a lot. So, you know, they will need to plug that hole. So I don't know, maybe they somebody turn around and Leinster will give them a, a one-year gig, but I'm not quite sure whether that would be in um, Lancaster's progression. It wouldn't seem like an overly um, progressive thing to do, but hey, look, maybe it makes sense at the back at the back of it as well to help bring through, bring guys through. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You still have Ross Maloney there. He's, uh, I suppose, an evergreen, yes. evergreen uh, Leinster the player. Evergreen. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And he's he's around for a long time, and he's you know he's a good head, and he's he's done a bit of captaincy and stuff as well when the guys are away. So. It's um, yeah, he's definitely uh, he'll definitely be around next year, I'm sure. Um, interesting that they've named uh, Scott Fardy. He's he's back in the back row for this match, captaining from six. Um, and your your man Scott Penny's at seven, and Josh at eight. Um, so yeah, it's good to see Scott being used, I suppose, <laughs> in the different positions. He's played back row, anyways. Not a huge yeah, yeah, he's played back row for Australia. Yeah, yeah. no, no, he's well able. So. Uh, yeah, it would be good. So, yeah, it'd be an interesting game. Um, I'm not sure what sort of shape uh, the Ospreys are in. Yeah, so, absolutely. Both, God, yeah. Especially in the last regular league game, which they'd consider a dead rubber, I suppose, as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Good news from Leinster, though, this week, Chris. Um, Stuart Lancaster, Felipe Condepomi, um, and Rob McBride have signed two-year deals with Leinster, and Leo Cullum has offered a two, but he's signed a rolling one. Um, one-year deal, uh, hugely important for the development of Leinster um, over the next couple of years to have the likes of Stuart Lancaster and those fellas on your books. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, whatever about the rest of them, I think Stuart Lancaster is the one year, and he would obviously, him signing would have obviously encouraged everyone else to sign as well. So I think um, I think when he, when he leaves, you could see... Uh, a scattering to the wind, it might be, it'll be you know, a really, really interesting time. But yeah, look, fantastic stability for Leinster to be able to get those four to re-sign again. So yeah, look, 
delighted to see that. So brilliant. Um, would you read anything, Chris, into the one-year rolling contract request from Leo Cullen? Um, no, 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 that was slightly strange. Yeah, yeah no. two would be secure, um, but he said, no, give us a one and give give me a rolling contract so I have options. Um, he's obviously leaving the, the door open for an exit or a move. Has he been... Or, or a job up the road. Uh, I was just going to say it, a backup job, the, uh, the IRFU, uh, just in case um, exactly. job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, giving so, themselves options. Knows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Only they know all who that knows? stuff. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see what happened there, that's for sure. Absolutely, but good business for Leinster. Um, still one of the teams to beat in Europe. We'll see how they go this year as well, but just the, the amount of players getting Ireland caps um, and all these young fellas coming through. God knows how many players Leinster have used in this Pro 14 campaign. Um, it was record-breaking last year, but it's probably around the same this year. The amount of debuts and young fellas that are getting yeah. a decent amount of caps, Chris, as well. It's incredible stuff. Yeah, no, unbelievable. It is literally a, a conveyor belt of talent. And um, yeah, as a Leinster man, long may it last. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been good. So it'd be interesting to see the the next generation jump through. I mean, you got to feel so sorry for the 18, 19, 17, 18, 19 year olds this year and stuff coming out of school who've had no ball um, you know so unfortunate and um, you know that may well hamper their well obviously will hamper their developments and slow down their progression to international rugby bus um, or provincial rugby whatever their their choice may be but it's um, yeah challenging time that's for sure yeah yeah you could nearly do a discussion for an hour long discussion on that um, blip in time, yeah. um, the, we were talking about um, Camogie people on Scoreline a few weeks ago, and and they said the mm-hmm. children that have missed out under fourteen, under sixteen, there's all these age brackets that they haven't yeah. played, and suddenly yeah. they're going into under sixteen, um, and minor or whatever it is, and they haven't had any experience. And it's it's a strange yeah. one, but yeah, we'll call it. Yeah, well, whatever about Camogie, you translate that into for just from a few physical presence point of view into yeah. rugby it's, it would be even it will be it will be even more impactful yeah absolutely Chris so, it's been great yeah. talking to you um, on the Knock On podcast um, also heard on our uh, scoreline programs at the weekend as well uh, fingers crossed for Leinster but more importantly I think this weekend Ireland um, I still think France really- is go- I still think France are going to win it Um but yeah, yeah, let's hope we're not hockeyed out the gate of the game. Yeah, look, let's hopefully as well. That was former Leinster captain Chris Pym. I'm Stephen Byrne and that's it from the Knock On Rugby podcast on scoreline.ie. Don't forget to visit scoreline.ie for more on rugby and of course if you're into your GAA with the Clash Act podcast, all things MMA and lots more. Talk to you soon.